0: Assalamu like? Can we request the brothers and sisters to uh, settle down, inshallah? We're about to start. Alhamdulillah. The next talk, as you know, inshallah, from the program is by, the, by, by now the very familiar, Sheikh Ali al tamimi uh, discussing uh, signs before the last hour or signs before the Day of Judgment, inshallah. الحمد لله، نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونتوب إليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا، من يحده الله فلا مضل له، وما يضل فلا هادي له، وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له، وأشهد أن محمدا عبده <laughs> the topic which is before us this evening is regarding the signs of the hour. And this topic is appropriate for the theme of the conference, striking a balance into the year 2000. As we heard in the first lecture convened in this conference, by our esteemed Sheikh Diktour, Dr. Bilal Phillips, that at this time, many people have a notion that with the coming of the year 2000, the Day of Judgment is approaching, and particularly in the West, that the return and the second coming of Jesus, the Prophet Isa, alayhi salam, is at hand. And so therefore, we find in the West in America in particular, and also in Europe, the people are abuzz with talks regarding the return of Jesus, regarding the Armageddon, regarding the final countdown to the final days of the Day of Judgment. And many Muslims will come across or will hear or will be introduced to these descriptions and these talks given by Christians and Jews. And since they themselves might not be aware of what the Prophet ﷺ taught us regarding these matters, they might have some confusion occur to them as to what is the reality or what is the truth regarding these affairs. And before I begin my talk, I would like to set before us four principles that we need to understand in order for us to understand this topic regarding the signs of the hour, that our faith in this issue may be pure and in accordance with the creed of the people of the sunnah. The first issue is knowledge of the unseen. Knowledge of the unseen is a matter which is reserved Unto Allah alone, as Allah says in the Qur'an, وَعِنْدَهُ مَفَاتِحِ الْغَيْبِ لَا يَعْلَمُهَا إِلَّهُ And with him are the keys or the treasures of the unseen, none know them but him. In other words, none knows the unseen but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded his prophet, the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, to say, Say to them, Muhammad wasallam, None in the heavens or on earth knows the unseen but Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded his Prophet to say, وَلَا أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبِ I do not know the unseen. So this shows us these ayat, show us that none knows the unseen but Allah is. However, the Prophet wasallam informs us in his sunnah of the unseen, not because he knows it, but because Allah reveals it to him. And that is the second matter. That what we learn from the Prophet wasallam of the matters of the unseen, it's not because the Prophet wasallam knows the unseen, but because Allah reveals those matters to him. And therefore we find this ayah in Surah Al-Jinn, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself as saying, عَلِمُ الْغَيْبِ فَلَا عَلَىٰ غَيْبِهِ He knows the unseen and does not manifest this knowledge of the unseen to anyone Illa min Except those messenger who he is selected. So therefore, what we will discuss this evening from the signs of the hour, which is part of the unseen, we know that only Allah knows these matters. And what the Prophet tells us wasallam, we know this to be revelation from Allah. And this brings us to the third matter. That if the Prophet wasallam, informs us of any matter of the unseen, like the signs of the hour we must believe in it, and we must accept it as He has told us to us, whether our minds can comprehend its reality or not. Because what the Prophet informs us is of that revelation which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to him. Ma Hawa He does not speak of his own desire inhua It is only a revelation sent to him. And so therefore, we should understand that when we come across these signs of the hour, we must accept them and believe in them literally as our Prophet wasallam, has told us. The next matter which we should understand is that the hour is always close. In fact, the hour of judgment is closer now to us than it was before I began my lecture. And it will be closer to us after we finish this lecture. And tomorrow, for those of us who Allah decrees life, that we live the next day, it will just be that much closer. We are continuously going closer to the hour. And this is why we find this ayah in the Qur'an where Allah tells us that the pagans say, يَسْأَلُكَ النَّاسُ the pagans ask you, question you, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa regarding the hour. Qul, say to them, إِنَّمَا عِلْمُهَا عندَ اللَّهِ It's knowledge of its occurrence, when it will occur, is with Allah. وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ لَعَلَّ السَاعَة تَكُونَ قَرِيبًا And what will perhaps that you might become aware that the hour might be near? So the point is, is that the hour of judgment is near, even though the time of its occurrence is something which only Allah knows. And in fact, anything which is coming is near. Anything which is coming is near. Our death is near because it's an eventuality which will come. We are now one day closer to death than we were yesterday. And tomorrow we'll be one day closer to death than we are today. So this is something we should understand, that the hour of judgment is always coming closer and coming closer, even if we do not know when it will occur. The next point we need to understand before getting into the lecture is that the hour of judgment for us begins with our death. Whoever dies, his resurrection has begun. In the sense that upon death you can no longer do good deeds or you can no longer do evil deeds. But rather, your book has been complete. Yes, it is true that if you have knowledge which is made benefit of, if you have a charity uh, which is still in existence, if you have a righteous child which is praying for you, you will still gain the reward for this. But your child occurred during your life and the knowledge that you taught occurred during your life and the charity that you gave was during your life. And so therefore, it is true that with our death, our, we can no longer prepare for the judgment. And so therefore, each and every one of us, the resurrection begins with his death. In the sense that that's when your judgment starts. You are questioned in the grave as to who your Lord is, what was your religion, who was this man sent to you, meaning the Prophet wasallam. And so even though we as a generation or as individuals might not come across these signs of the Day of Judgment. We might not be, the Day of Judgment will not occur between us. We still must be aware and we still must feel that our judgment begins with our death. And so this is a reality which we will all face, whether soon or later. But we will die. And so therefore we must always keep this reality before us. The final matter is that the signs of the hour of judgment was something which the Prophet wasallam stressed, taught, and spoke often about. And let us give an example of how the Prophet addressed these signs of the hours. We find a hadith in Sahih Muslim by Abu Zayd, Ambin Ahtab al-Ansari, who said that the Prophet wasallam led us in the Fajr prayer, the dawn prayer. And then after completing the prayer, he took his position upon his mimbar, upon his pulpit, and he gave us a speech until Salat al came. He came down and he then led us in Salat al Dhuhr. And when he finished the Zuhar prayer, he went back on his mimbar and continued to talk to us until the Asr prayer came. And then he came down from his mimbar and led us in the Asr prayer and continued, and then went back up on his mimbar and continued to speak to us until the maghrib prayer came. And this Prophet's companion, Abu Zayd al-Ansari says, so he taught us what was and what will be occurring and we learned that and we memorized that. Allahu Akbar. Look at the Prophet ﷺ's teaching. From Fajr until Maghra, continuous. Only breaking for the prayer. Informing the people of what had occurred in the past and what will occur in the future. And likewise we find in another hadith reported by Uzaifa, also in Sahih Muslim. He says that the Prophet ﷺ addressed us in an address He did not leave anything until the hour of judgment, except that he mentioned it. He who remembers this, remembers this, and he forgets this, has forgotten this. And then Hudayfa talks about himself. I would see something occur, which I had forgotten that the Prophet ﷺ had informed us of this. And when I would see it occur, I would remember, just like in the same way, you forget a man, but then when you see him, you remember him. And then Hudayfa says in another hadith, also in Sahih Muslim, that the Prophet ﷺ informed us of everything which will occur until the hour of judgment. And there is not a single thing of those matters except that I asked him about it, except one thing. I did not ask him, what will cause the inhabitants of the city of Medina to leave Medina before the day of judgment? Allahu Akbar. Look at how the Prophet's companions take this teaching of the Prophet wasallam and memorize it and learn it and let it affect their lives. And somebody might ask, why is it that the Prophet wasallam stressed this knowledge of the signs of the hours? Why? What is the wisdom behind it? The wisdom is that we are the last ummah on the earth the Ummah of Muhammad It is this Ummah which these events will occur. And so therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, since we are the last Ummah on this earth, we are the ones who have inherited the revelation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His mercy and in His wisdom, taught the Prophet sallallahu and inspired and revealed to him to teach us these matters in great detail. So that we may know it. So that we may preserve ourselves and protect ourselves from this. Different events that will occur. And this is why you find that also regarding the Day of Judgment and regarding the descriptions of Paradise and Hell, much greater detail in our scripture than in the previous scriptures. Why? Because we are the final Ummah on this earth. And so therefore... Obviously, in the time allotted for us this evening, we cannot even begin to study the signs of the hour as necessary. Because if the Prophet ﷺ, who was the most eloquent in speech, who can in a few words express great meanings, talked about the signs of the hour from Fajr until Maghrib, and the audience was whom? the Prophet's companions, رضي الله عنه. How can we expect that the speaker being who the speaker is and the audience being who the audience is to address the signs of the hour in a single hour? That is not possible. So then what do we want to do? What we want to do is we want to familiarize ourselves. And also what we want to come out of this lecture with an understanding of the importance of gaining this knowledge. That if our Prophet ﷺ stood from Fajr until Maghrib to teach this, then it behooves us to spend our time to learn this knowledge. So this is what we want to gain tonight. Now, the first sign of the hour. The first sign of the hour is the sending of the Prophet Muhammad himself. The Prophet tells us in a hadith in Sahih Bukhari, I was sent and the hour like this. And he put his two fingers together, the middle finger and the forefinger. Just like the middle finger is just a little bit ahead of the forefinger, likewise the Prophet was sent just before the hour. Indeed, the Prophet ﷺ tells us in a hadith that I was sent before the hands of the hour, the hour was about to precede me. Shows you how close it is. So the first sign of the hour is the sending of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. He is the final Prophet. He is the Prophet who was foretold in the previous scriptures. He is the Prophet who Salman al-Farisi travels those great distances from Persia going until he finally reaches Medina, waiting for the Prophet Muhammad Because the people of the scripture knew, those who had the, those remnants of knowledge, knew that this man would come before the signs of the hour, before the day of judgment, and that he would come in Medina, and that he would be from the Arabs. And so therefore when he came, they recognized him as they recognized their own children. يَعْرِفُونَهُ They recognize him As they recognized their own sons. But out of their jealousy, they decided not to believe in him because they saw him an Arab and not a Jew. The second sign of the hour is the Prophet wasallam's death. The Prophet tells us in a hadith in Sahih Bukhari, count six signs before the Day of Judgment. Count six signs before the Day of Judgment. And the first one he says is, Moti, my death. So just like the Prophet wasallam sending is a sign, likewise his death was a sign. And indeed... The Prophet ﷺ died as the companions described to us in a, in a statement that we had not finished from burying the Prophet ﷺ until we felt that our hearts were no longer upon what it was before. As soon as they buried him, they realized they were not upon the same matter as they were before. And likewise, among the signs of the Day of Judgment is the conquest of jerusalem and that it becomes an islamic city Fethu bayt al-maqdis and this is because history just like it has a beginning it has an end and just like the revelation begins in mecca and the da'wah to islam begins in mecca it ends at the end of time in jerusalem as we will see when we discuss the major signs of the hour and so therefore one of the signs of the hour was the return of the true message of Ibrahim alayhi salam, which came with the Prophet Muhammad salam, to the city of the Prophet, Jerusalem, Baytul Maqdis, which had lost that true message due to the distortion of the teachings of Musa when it became Judaism and due to the distortion of the teachings of Isa alayhi salam when it became Christianity. Likewise, among the signs of the hours that the Prophet ﷺ tells us about is the appearance of trials and tribulations. And like such is Islamic history. Islamic history is such that if you read a book in Islamic history, there is not a single page except that you find a trial or a tribulation. Confusion, killing, and so forth. So the Prophet ﷺ tells us, before the hands of the hour, are tribulations like a piece of the dark night. You know, when you're out in the wooded areas and there's no city lights, you know how black it can get. You can't see what's even before you. So the Prophet tells us that tribulations will come just like sections of this dark night. And the Prophet says, a man will wake up a believer but retire... In the evening, as a kafir, an unbeliever, or he will retire as a believer, just to wake up in the morning as an unbeliever. The Prophet ﷺ says, "The one who is sitting in this tribulation is better than the one who is standing, and the one who is standing is better than the one who is walking, and the one who is walking is better than the one who is running." And then the Prophet ﷺ says, "So break your bows and cut your arrows." and strike your swords against the rocks, meaning breaking them. And if one of these people come into your household to kill you, then be the better of the two sons of Adam. Because the two sons of Adam, one killed the other. In other words, if he comes to strike your neck, let him strike your neck. Be the better of the two sons of Adam. Because in the Qur'an we find that the son of Adam who was killed says, if you take your hand to strike me, I will not put my hand out to strike you. And this hadith is in Muslim of Imam Ahmed. Likewise, the Prophet told us that these tribulations would come from the east. One day the Prophet stood up and he was pointing towards the east and he said, indeed tribulations come from here. Indeed tribulations come from here where the horn of Satan appears. And the horn of Satan either means one of two things. Either that Satan truly has a horn and that it appears from the east because it is said that when the sun rises, Satan stands towards the east and so the sun rises between his horns so when the people bow down to the sun, they bow down to him. Or here the word horn means that here is where the forces of evil, here are where the demonic and satanic forces are. Among the tribulations that the Prophet told us about is that people from this ummah will follow the ways of the Jews and the Christians. The Prophet ﷺ said that the hour will not be established in this hadith in Bukhari until my ummah follows the ways of those generations before it. Handspan by handspan, cubit by cubit. So the people said, O Messenger of Allah, do you mean the Persians and the Romans? The Prophet ﷺ said, who else from humanity Are there or is there? And likewise in one hadith in Muslim he says, the Jews and the Christians. So here it tells us that this ummah will follow, will leave the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, will leave his way to follow the ways of the Jews, the Christians, the other unbelievers. And we see that today. How many Muslims truly follow the way of the Prophet ﷺ? Most Muslims are more concerned with what is the latest fashion the latest jeans, that Jordache jeans or Levi jeans, right? What's the latest uh, fashion that you see in a music video, right? What's the latest hairstyle that some person in a movie has, or so forth. They're more concerned with emulating the unbelievers than they are with the Prophet on And this is what the Prophet foretold of. Indeed, the Prophet son tells us in one hadith in Al-Hakim that even if one of the people previous people was to have sexual relations with his mother publicly in the street, there will come somebody from this ummah who will do the same thing. Imagine that. Not leaving anything. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ says in one hadith, entering into the lizard's hole. Every single thing they do, there is somebody from this ummah who is going to resemble them. Likewise, among the tribulations that the Prophet ﷺ told us about and forewarned us is concerning the appearance of false prophets... The Prophet ﷺ says in a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari that the hour will not be established until many liars will be sent, close to 30 in number, each of them claiming he's a messenger of Allah. And likewise among the tribulations the Prophet ﷺ told us of, that people of this ummah will return to idol worship, to idolatry. The Prophet ﷺ tells us in a hadith in Abu Dawud that the hour will not be established until groups, tribes of my ummah join the pagans, the mushrikeen, and that groups of my ummah worship idols. And in this ummah, the Prophet ﷺ says, there will be 30 liars, all claiming to be a prophet, but I am the seal of the prophets, there is no prophet after me. And among the tribulations that the Prophet ﷺ informed us of, is that the ummah would divide into many groups and sects. The Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith, that he who lives amongst you will see many, many differences. So it is upon you to follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided successors after me. Hold on to it with all your might. And the Arabic word is bite on it on your molar teeth. Bite on it on your molar teeth. As if someone is trying to pull that sunnah away from you. I don't know if any of you ever played with a dog before. Of course, as Muslims, we don't keep dogs. But growing up in the West, I mean, many of us at one time when we were younger, you might have played with a dog. And when you play with a dog, if you give a dog a stick and the dog starts biting on you, try to pull it, you notice how the dog clenches on it and pulls it back. So here the Prophet uses the same type of expression: (inaudible) Abdu alayha bin nawajif. Bite onto it with your molar teeth, as if someone is trying to pull you away from his sunnah, forcibly take you out by these differences. That you have to stick firm and cling onto it with all your might and your ability. Not like they would leave you alone. Okay, you want to follow the sunnah? That's fine. Just stay there. Do what you want. No, but they'll try to rip from you the sunnah and try to turn you to follow one of these ways. And likewise concerning the multiplicity of groups and we find this great hadith of Al-Hudhaif ibn Yaman where he says "The people used to ask the Prophet ﷺ about good but I used to ask him about evil because I used to fear that it might overtake me. So I said to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, "Oh Messenger of Allah, we were in evil, meaning in jahiliya, And then this good came to us, meaning Islam. Will an evil come after that? And the Prophet said, yes. And then, the, then he said, Hudaifah asked the Prophet will their good come after that evil? And the Prophet said, yes, but it will have smoke in it. Meaning that it's not pure. Just like if you come to a room which is steamy, or a room which has much smoke, it's no longer pure, you can't see. And the Prophet ﷺ described why it will be there. He said, there are people who will not follow his guidance. You will recognize matters of theirs to be true, and you'll also recognize matters of that of theirs to be evil. And then Hudayfa said, will there be evil after that good? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. The Prophet ﷺ said, there will be people calling to the gates of the hellfire. Whoever responds to them, he will throw them into the hellfire. The prophet Hudayfa asked the Prophet ﷺ, describe them to us, describe them to me. The Prophet ﷺ says, they are from our complexion, meaning they are from us, and they speak our language. And then Hudayfa asked the Prophet ﷺ, advise me what to do. The Prophet ﷺ tells him, stick to the imam of the Muslims and the jama'ah stick to the imam of the Muslims in the jama'ah. And then Hardeva says, what if there is no imam and no jama'ah? The Prophet ﷺ said, leave all the groups. Leave all the groups. And this is like our time now. When we find many different groups calling people to something which is not from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, to respond to them is to throw oneself in the hellfire. And likewise, the Prophet ﷺ also, besides informing us of the tribulations that will occur before the Day of Judgment, tells us about the change from good into evil. He gives us different descriptions. For instance, he tells us that among the signs of the hour, and as in the hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, that if trust are lost, the Prophet ﷺ says, when trusts are lost, then await the hour. So the companion asked the Messenger of Allah, how will the trust be lost? The Prophet ﷺ said, if, the matter of being in charge is given to those who don't deserve it, then wait the hour, uh, the approach of the hour. And now we see that in our lives. How many things in our lives do we find people who are unqualified yet are in charge of the affairs of the Ummah? From countries to groups, to societies, to uh, different projects and so forth, many unqualified people. And this is a sign of the coming of the hour. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ tells us that among the signs of the hour is that knowledge will be removed from the people and ignorance will become apparent. And that's also something that you see. The Prophet ﷺ tells us that knowledge will not be removed because Allah takes it away from people, but because scholars will die. Because scholars will die. And so when there's no more scholars left, people will take ignorant people as their leaders who to follow These ignorant people are themselves astray and will set others astray. And this is something we have seen. One of the shocking things of this year and the last year before that, how many scholars have died. This is one of the shocking things and so much so that when I was in Mecca just a few weeks ago, I found the people, the brothers in Mecca saying, calling this year the year of the death of the scholars. This is something which should make a Muslim when he hears this shiver because truly... One can see how these few, we had very few scholars before, and now with the death of so many of them in a very short period of time, who will lead the people? Ignorant people? Astray people? This is, when one fears this is an application or the realization of this statement of the Prophet ﷺ. (laughs) Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ tells us that among the signs of the hour is that riba, usury, will become widespread. Zina, illicit sex, will become widespread that marketplaces will draw close together. This is something we also see. The drawing of marketplaces in the sense that prices are the same. You go to one market in London, you find the same item in Washington, you find the same item in Singapore for almost the same price. The markets have approached. And likewise, that the marketplaces are easily accessible. People now go to cities like Dubai and Jeddah and so forth from around the world to shop. This is the drawing closer of the marketplaces. While before, in a previous generation, you would only buy from your market. You would take you days and months maybe to travel to another area to get some goods. Likewise, among the signs the Prophet ﷺ tells us of is that there will be great uh, stinginess before the hour. In a hadith we find in a Tabarani, the Prophet ﷺ said, from the signs of the hour is that stinginess will appear. That there will be much trade and commerce uh, that mon- money will be very prevalent and that people will want to gain, engage into trade and commerce so much that a woman will participate with her husband in order to make money. And this is something we see today where many men and their wives go out and work even though there's no need in the household for that but it's only because of love of money. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ tells us that before the hour there will be many earthquakes that there will also occur sinking, in the sense the earth will open up and swallow people, that there will be transfigurations, human beings will be transfigured into other creatures, that there will be pelting from the skies above. These are another signs that the Prophet ﷺ tells us of. He likewise tells us that among the signs of the hour is that writing will become widespread. The Prophet ﷺ says from the signs of the hour, in a hadith in Ahmed will be the appearance or the prominence of the pen, which refers to much writing. And that's what we find now. There are so many books printed, so many magazines, and most of it is of little value. Most of it is of little value. But yet, the earth seems filled with it. Likewise, from the signs of the hour, the Prophet ﷺ tells us is that people will have disregard for the voluntary acts of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ tells us in a hadith in Ibn Khuzayma that a man will walk into a masjid and he will not even sit down and pray in their two rak'ahs the massage will be taken just as shortcuts to go from one place to another place. Likewise, the Prophet tells us from the signs of the hour is that there will be many women and few men. And the hadith in Bukhari, find that 50 women will only have one man to support them. And that there will be much killing and so forth. So these are all different signs of the hour which have appeared and are growing and so forth. But what I'd like to do in my, the remaining time that I have left is to discuss some of these main signs of the hour. And the reason why is because it is these main signs of the hour which the Christians in particular talk about, the return of Jesus and so forth. So it's important for us as Muslims to have a knowledge regarding this. So when we hear them talking, especially now with the millennium uh, approaching uh, just a few months, and and then they're expecting the return of Isa, that we understand uh, these issues. So before we discuss the issue of the return of Isa salam. Uh, the first thing we should talk about is the appearance of someone called the Mahdi. And the Prophet ﷺ has told us in many hadith, uh, these hadith in meaning reaching tuwatar, meaning that there are so many that it is without doubt the Prophet ﷺ informed of it, that before the Day of Judgment as mentioned in a hadith in Muslim of Imam Ahmed, an individual will appear whose name will be the same like the Prophet's name and his father's name Will be the same as the prophet's father's name. So, in other words, his name will be Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. And the Prophet ﷺ tells us in a hadith in Abu Dawud that this person is from the descendants of Fatima. And indeed, the Prophet ﷺ even tells us his physical characteristics. He tells us that he will have a receding foreline, and that he will has nose will be thin and will be crooked and coming to a point. And likewise that. The Prophet informs us how he will appear that he will come in a time when there will be much injustice, much tyranny on earth, and there will be many earthquakes, and there will be little rain. And so and also the Prophet tells us that he will appear during a time of civil war and commotion between the Muslims. The Prophet said three sons of a Khalifa will fight' at the death of a khalifa. So there will be a khalifa, a ruler of the Muslims who will die, and three of his sons will then fight. And so there will be civil war and turmoil between the Muslims. And so this young man, whose name is Muhammad ibn Abdullah, will come from Medina, fleeing this turmoil, and come to Mecca. When he arrives in Mecca, the people will give him bay'ah. They will give him bay'ah between the black stone and between the station of Ibrahim. Ibrahim. And when the people give him bay'ah, the people will not recognize him to be the Mahdi. Until an army, an army comes uh, from Syria to attack him. And when they approach Medina, the ground below them will open up and will swallow them. When the people see this, they will know this is the Mahdi. And so then the righteous people of Iraq and the righteous people of Syria will come to Mecca and they will give him bay'ah. Indeed, in that one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says that even if you were to come to him crawling, you should do so. And he is, unlike what many Muslims think, he is all he is is a righteous Muslim, a good leader. In fact, one hadith tells us in Imam Ahmed's Musnad that Allah will rectify him in a night. In other words, before Allah rectifies him, he will not be that pious. He will not be that capable of a leader. But in one night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inspire him to repent and you know, strengthen him so that he will be a righteous leader. And such that he will fill the earth, the Prophet tells us, with justice as it was filled with tyranny and injustice. And both the inhabitants of heaven, meaning the angels and the inhabitants of earth, will be pleased with him. And he will divide money fairly between people. So much so, That people will not have a need to take money. And the Prophet tells us that during his time, Allah will let the rain come frequently, and the earth will produce its produce, and there will be many animals, and this ummah will become numerous in numbers, and that he will lead us for seven, eight, or nine years. So during his time, we find a revival of Islam, and we find justice, and we find you know, distribution of wealth accordingly. And he rules the Muslims by the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet But also during his time is when the beginning of the great signs showing the approach of the Hour occur, in terms of the great battles that this Ummah will face. And that is that during his time, the Rum, which means literally the Romans, but is a word that the Arabs use for the Europeans, will have an enemy. And this enemy will be such that they will be unable to defeat this enemy by themselves. So they will come to the Muslims and seek from the Muslims to join them in order to assist them in fighting this common enemy. So the Prophet ﷺ says that there will be a true peace, a true peace between the Muslims and the Christians, the Europeans during that time. Meaning whenever besides this time there is never a true peace between the Muslims and Christians. And that is why there is not a single decade except that the Muslims and the Christians are somewhere in the world fighting since the time of the Prophet Yes, maybe Muslims in one area of the world are not fighting the Christians, but we are in a perpetual war with these people. And we've seen the latest wars just a few months ago in Kosovo. This Ummah is in constant conflict with these people. But however, this time because they will have a need, they will make a true peace with the Muslims. And so the Muslims with them will fight this enemy and the Muslims will defeat them with them. But then when the Muslims are retiring back to Syria, one Christian will say, the cross gave us victory. And so a Muslim upon hearing that will become angered. So he will kill him. And then the Christians will just kill that contingent of Muslims. And they will use this as an excuse to break the peace treaty. And so the Prophet ﷺ tells us the Christians will then come with a troop, a force of almost one million men. They will come with under 80 banners, 80 contingents, each one with 12,000 soldiers. And the Prophet ﷺ even told us where they would land. That they would land in a city called, near a city called Halab, which is Alapo in English, at two hills called Al-A'maq or Dabiq. So we even know where they're going to be at, here at. And they will come and attack the Muslims. They will say to the Muslims, they will try to do this typical act of theirs, of divide and conquer. So they will tell the Muslims of Arabia we have no quarrel with you. Our quarrel is with the Syrians, the people of Sham. And so they will begin to fight them. And in fact, they will, at first during the battle, be victorious. And they will push the Muslims until the Muslims are only in Medina. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ tells us that the furthest outpost of the Muslims will be at Khayba, near Khayba, just a few miles outside of Medina. And when the Muslim, when the Islamic world, sees that the Christians are about to take Medina, a great outpouring will occur. And so even the Bedouins will come out. The Prophet ﷺ said, we will be, this Ummah will be given victory by 12,000 from Aden, from Yemen. Will come because the Muslims will see this. And so the Muslims will push them back until finally they will defeat the Christians in Syria. And the Muslims will then pursue the battle and take Constantinople. The Prophet ﷺ tells us that they will open Constantinople by takbir and tahleel. By saying, Allahu Akbar, Allah Allah, the walls around Constantinople will crash down and the Muslims will enter into that city. Until finally the Muslims will go into Europe and take Rome. And this battle is what the Christians refer to as Armageddon. This is what the Christians refer to as Armageddon and to which they're preparing for, and which the Christian fundamentalists are trying to incite the Christian populace in America and in Europe and so forth to prepare for. However, they feel, they think, according to their scriptures, that they will throw nuclear bombs upon the Muslims and they will kill us all and so forth. But that's not what's going to happen, because the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ very clearly show us that when these battles occur, people will be using horses and swords. So it means the technology which we are now familiar with will somehow disappear. And we'll go back to more traditional and primitive ways of fighting. Now, after this battle will occur and the Muslims are congregated in this holy land, the Antichrist will appear, a Dajjal. And the Prophet ﷺ has told us many ahadith regarding a Dajjal. He tells us that he's a young man, that he's white, that he's short, that his hair is very curly and he has much hair on his head, that he has a receding foreline, that he's wide-chested. And very importantly, the Prophet ﷺ tells us that he's blind into the right eye. His right eye is neither bulging nor swollen, sunken into his head. And upon his left eye is like a growth coming from his eyebrow, covering that left eye. And between his eyes is written kafirah, kafir. That every person, every believer, will be able to read that, even if he's literate or illiterate. The Prophet ﷺ tells us that he, he will not have children, but that he will be sterile. The Prophet ﷺ even tells us that he will be crooked in his back, and that is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ gave us all these details is to prepare us for this. Because a Dajjal will appear in this Ummah. And we will be the ones who fight him. And this is the king of the Jews, who the Jews are waiting for. You see, the Jews were promised in their scriptures that a Messiah will appear between them. And when that Messiah appeared, Jesus the son of Mary, what did they do? They disbelieved in him. And they rejected him. And they called him a sorcerer. And they called him a bastard. This is what the Jews said. And they tried to kill him. And they tried to crucify him. But as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they neither killed him nor crucified him. And so when the true Messiah appeared to them, they disbelieved in him. And so what they are waiting for is this false Messiah, this antichrist, a Dajjal, who will be the greatest tribulation between now and the day of judgment. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ commanded us in every single prayer to seek refuge with Allah from him. Why? Why would the Prophet ﷺ tell us to seek refuge from an individual who the Prophet ﷺ knew was not going to appear until the end of time? I mean now, since the Prophet ﷺ's death has been 1400 and some odd years. And yet the Prophet ﷺ had told his ummah to seek refuge in him because it is the greatest fitna as the Prophet ﷺ told us from the time of Adam until the Day of Judgment. Indeed, the Prophet ﷺ tells us that even the previous messengers all warned against the Antichrist that the Prophet Nuh, the messenger Nuh ﷺ, the first messenger sent to humanity warned his people about the Antichrist. Imagine that. We know Jesus was about 2,000 years ago ﷺ and Moses was about 5,000 years ago. Or, or 3,000 years ago. And Ibrahim was about 5,000 years ago. How long ago was Noor, alayhi salam? Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Noor, to warn his ummah about the Antichrist. Indeed, the Prophet tells us that from the signs that showing his closeness and his appearance, that people will stop warning about him on the mimbers, on the pulpits. And I asked the brothers, when was the last time you heard a khutbah regarding a dajjal This is one of the signs of his close of appearance. The Prophet tells us that before the years of his appearance will be years of much confusion, of falsity, deception, years of deception, in which the truthful person will be considered a liar. And the liar will be considered a truthful person. The trustworthy person will be considered untrustworthy. And the untrustworthy person will be considered trustworthy. And in those years, the Rawaybidah will speak. Rawaybidah in the Arabic language means that small sheep. You know, like there's a flock of sheep, there's a newborn sheep. So they asked the Prophet him, what is a Rawaybidah? The Prophet said, it is an insignificant man talking about the affairs of everyone. And how much so do we find that today? We find insignificant people, people who are ignorant, people who know nothing, Stand up and tell us that the Ummah should be doing this or the Ummah should be doing that. That we should follow them. Preaching to this and that. These are all signs that the Dajjal's time has appeared or comes come close to appear. And likewise, the Prophet ﷺ even tells us the city in which his affair will first become apparent. That is the city of Isfahan. And the Prophet ﷺ even tells us the neighborhood. It is the neighborhood of Yehudiyah, And that he will come. And the Prophet ﷺ even tells us the first water he will drink from the lands of the Arabs. That is the area of Safwan. And Safwan is south of Basra, near Kuwait, where they had the peace treaty after the Gulf War. That's where, there he will drink his first water in the lands of the Arabs. That's the first land of the Arabs he will enter into. And that he will come between Syria and uh, Iraq, spreading evil and spreading mischief on both sides seeking to come to Medina. But the angels will not permit him because he will go to every single land on earth he will pass through, except for Mecca and Medina because he'll be guarded by angels which will prevent him from coming through. And the Prophet ﷺ even told us of his fitna, that with the Jajal he will have with him paradise and hellfire. And so when people see his paradise... He will have a river of flowing water and a river of fire. The Prophet says that you should take from the river of fire, not from the river of flowing water. And he will call himself Allah and the people will believe him. He will come across a land which is a desert land and says, believe in me, they will believe in him. So he will say, "Oh sky, bring down your rain. And the sky will rain and growth will occur, vegetation. And he will come across a people who, and they will say to them, O oh, people, believe in me and they will disbelieve in him. So he'll say, "Your land become desert and the land will become desert." And likewise, when he comes by land, the gold and the silver and the treasures of that land will come out behind him, like bees, flying, worker bees. And likewise he'll come to a Bedouin and say to him, "Would you believe in me if I bring your father and mother alive?" And he'll say, yes. And he said, "Point me to their graves." So point him to their graves, and he'll say, "Come out." And two jinns will go in and come out. And appear and then he will, will say, I believe in you. And from his fitna, the Prophet ﷺ said that there will be two angels accompanying him, resembling two prophets. And so when Dajjal comes to people and saying, I am Allah, one of the angels will say, you have lied. The other angel will say, concerning the angel who said, you lied, this angel has spoken truth. Say, you spoke truth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not allow the people to hear that angel who says you lied to what he says. And so therefore the people will hear one of the angels say you spoke truth so they'll think because these angels will appear in the form of two prophets they'll think that one of these prophets of Allah is now confessing and testifying that the dajjal is truly Allah. Most of his followers will be Jews and also people who do not speak Arabic and also women. And also Bedouins. Somebody might ask, why would non-Arabs, why would women, why would Bedouins follow him? Because usually when people do not know Arabic, they don't have enough religious knowledge. Usually women, we don't spend enough time teaching our sisters, so there's a lack of religious knowledge. And with Bedouins, likewise, because they are Bedouins not living in the cities, typically they do not have enough religious knowledge. And so these will be his followers. So much so that women will come out and follow him, that a man will go into his household and tie his wife, tie her, and his mother, and his daughter, and his sister, and his aunt, because he will be afraid that she will go out and follow him. And yet the Prophet ﷺ told us that we will fight him, and we will defeat him. And when a Dajjal with his army of Jews come, to Palestine, to fight the Muslims. The Muslims will gather in Damascus. This will be the center of the Muslims, of their, their seat of power. And at the time of Fajr, they will prepare themselves to fight at Dajjal. This person who claimed that he was Allah. And so the Muslims will be lining up for Salat of Fajr. Because after Salat of Fajr, they were going to open the gates and fight them. And as they are lining up for prayer, at the white minaret in Damascus, Isa ibn Maryam, Jesus the son of Mary, salam, will come down. An angel on both of his sides and his hands upon the shoulder of these two angels. And he will come down, the Prophet and even describes to us his garments, that he'll be wearing yellow garments. And that his, from his head, his sweat will be dropping like, the beads of his sweat like pearls. And when he comes in Damascus, the Muslims of course are standing for prayer. They'll say, O Prophet of Allah, lead us in prayer. And he'll say, no, your imam is from you. So the Muslims will pray and then they will open up the gates to go out to battle. And Isa and Maryam will kill the Dajjal. Will kill the Dajjal at the gates of Lod, Lud, which is a city in Israel now. And when he kills a Dajjal with his lance, he will raise it and show the blood of a Dajjal to the Muslims. And when he kills their king, the Jews will scatter. There will be disarray in their army, there will be confusion, there will be fear. So they will begin to flee and hide. The Jews will hide between, behind rock and tree. The Prophet ﷺ said, on that day rock and tree will speak and will say, O oh Abdullah, O oh Muslim, there is a Jew behind me, come and kill him. And when the battle is over, Isa and Maryam will rule this ummah, will rule this ummah by Allah's scripture and by the sunnah of the Prophet The Prophet said, it is near that Isin will come down amongst you as a just ruler. He will break the cross exterminate the pig and he will drop the jizya. He will break the cross, Means put an end to Christianity because Christians will no longer have an excuse to believe that he is the son of God. Ta'ala and that once they see ibn maryam And likewise he will exterminate the pig, that animal which they made halal for themselves and he will drop the jizya. In other words in his time either Islam or death, there will be no exceptions. However though, before he becomes, is able to rule, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause a great turmoil to occur. And that is the letting loose of Ya'juj and Ma'juj, Gog and Magog, as it is said in English. And these are two tribes of human beings who will come from the east. And they will come racing towards the Middle East. They come from the far east, coming racing towards the Middle East. Killing whoever they come across. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reveal to Isa and Maryam that I am sending forth these people, no one can stand in front of them. So Isa and the believers with him will be forced to retreat and hide in the mountains of Sinai. To hide in the mountains of Sinai. And the Prophet said the believers that day will be hiding in caves and in mountains and in the cities. Because whoever they come across, they will kill. Until when they reach Palestine, they will come across the lake of Tiberius. Tiberias, when the last of them comes, they will find that the lake has been drunk, all of it. Because their numbers are that so many. And they will have thought that they had killed everybody on the earth. So they will say, we have killed all those on earth, now let us kill all those in heaven. So they will shoot their arrows to the sky above, and their arrows will return back with blood. So they all think they killed Allah and the angels. This is how Allah deceives them. And so, Isa and Maryam and the believers who are stuck up, held up in these mountains in Sinai, Isa will pray to Allah that Allah destroys these two tribes of human beings. Because no army can face them. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send a bird which will drop some sort of worm-like thing in their necks and they will all die in one night. But the earth will be filled with their bodies, the stench of their decaying and deposing, de- uh, decomposing bodies. And so that you could not even breathe because of that. So Asa Numeri will pray to Allah again. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send down a rain which will clean the earth. To clean the earth from their bodies. Now, At that time, when human beings come back out and Isa is a ruler, this is when peace will occur on earth. This is when there will be no more war. The Prophet tells us that during that time, human beings will prefer a single prostration to Allah than all that is worth in the world and what can be found in there. And so there you will find Allah's blessings come in full. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause a single pomegranate to feed a family. Now you know this roman, this fruit, right? It's about the size of a grapefruit, for those of you who haven't seen it. I mean, usually, I mean, a single person can eat that, but it will suffice a family. A goat will suffice a tribe. A child, the Prophet ﷺ said, will play with a snake, and the snake will not bite the child. And likewise, a lion will sit down and watch over sheep. Because the blessings of the earth will come out. You see, because... Whenever there is sinfulness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reduces the blessings. So fruits do not appear as plentiful, rain does not appear as plentiful, money is not as useful, time is not as useful. That's why now we find, even though we have many things in our possession, we don't find benefit in it. I mean, you know, you can't find any benefit in your time, you can't find any benefit in your money. Why? Because there's much sinfulness. And so there's a lack of barakah, blessings in these matters. But in the end of time, when people prefer a single than for the whole world and what's in it, then uh, the blessings of the earth will come forward. And this is what the Christians are awaiting. This is what their prophecies in Isaiah point to. And this is what the Prophet has confirmed in his hadith. Now, Isa ibn Maryam will rule the people and will die. And it is said that he will be buried between the Prophet and Abu Bakr. Because if you look in Medina, you find the Prophet ﷺ's grave, then you find a gap, and you find then the grave of Abu Bakr and Umar. And So it is said that he will be buried between the Prophet and Abu Bakr, ﷺ. And of course, before his after his death, there will be other Muslim rulers until finally Allah Subhanahu wa Taala decrees that a wind will come which will take the soul of every believer on the face of the earth, even if that faith he has is as little as a mustard seed. And then only unbelievers will be on the earth and Allah will establish the judgment. Now, that was a very quick synopsis of the signs of the hour. And really, I mean, I mean, justice was not done to the topic. But I think it's important for us, I mean, I have just a minute or two left, that just to I mean, point out some things that we need to understand. First of all, the signs of the Day of Judgment are matters of the unseen. We should not delve into them by our own reasoning. You find some people now saying that, well, a Dajjal, since he's one-eyed, it refers to capitalism and materialism because they're blind about the spiritual realities of life. Or as Dr. Bilal told us on the first night, they say that it's television. That's the one-eyed. Or you find some people who say that, for instance, that uh, concerning these signs of the hour, uh, that it refers to, like, for instance, I remember during the Gulf War, uh, we had one person who stood up and he, uh, I mean, you know, and, and unfortunately I think the, you know, he had this, this khutbah and they had the television cameras there hmm. because it was just the day right after the bombing occurred, the start, the start of the Gulf War. So the cameras were there to see what the Muslims were going to say. And so he he applied all these hadith regarding the fighting of the Christians and so forth to the Gulf War. Uh, In his ignorance, he took one hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which says that the Day of Judgment will not occur until the necks of the camels of Busra will be lightened. The necks of the camels of Busra will be lightened. And Busra is a city in Syria, south of Damascus. And the event, according to most scholars, like Anawi and Ibn Taymi, has already occurred that there was a volcano which occurred in Arabia uh, in the seventh century, and it filled the light of the volcano was so great that it filled the light of the horizon and the sky. So so much that the, in the nighttime, the camels of Busra, you could see the back of their necks and so forth, and likewise Even at that time, scholars wrote books and so forth like Abu Sham and other scholars. Anyway, I mean, in his ignorance, he took the word Busra and he mispronounced it to Basra, which is a city in Iraq. And he said, oh, I saw last night on CNN. I saw the cruise missiles hitting there and I saw the lights of the camels of Basra alighten. I mean, look how the ignorance, I mean, can occur. So the point is, is that when it comes to these signs of the hour, We should seek this knowledge, it's very important for us, but we shouldn't delve into it out of our desires and so We should believe as what the Prophet said. And with these signs of the hour, we cannot really tell if this event refers to that sign until that event is over and until it becomes apparent if this is what it refers to. And that's why uh, many times you find people misinterpreting events with regarding the signs of the hour. Now, there's a lot more which I'd like to comment upon about the subject. Uh, and we don't have time for questions, unfortunately. But I think there is, I've been told that questions will be answered in the upcoming session. And I don't know, when, the, when is the upcoming session? It like after Salah, maybe. maybe after Salah. So during that time, uh, what we can do is we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have the questions to the brothers and sisters. And also through the questions, inshallah ta'ala, I can cover a lot of the material which I had to skip over due to the constraint of time. So I thank you. Jazakum Allah Khairan, Subhanak Allah, Mohammedika, Shadu Allah, Ila Allah, Anta, Asafrukuh, Tubulay. Sit down, sit down, sit down.